held in the hands of the goddess. We are held, we are held, we are held. We are loved in the heart of the goddess. We are loved, we are loved, we are loved. What in your life needs to heal? Is it something in your body? Is it in your thoughts or your feelings? Welcome to the Empowered Healer Show with your host, Dr. Susan Allison. Our program will present healing methods and ideas to help you change the challenging parts of your life and support the people who mean the most to you. Now, here is Dr. Susan Allison. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Empowered Healer Show. I'm Dr. Susan Allison, and it's great to have you all here. As you can probably hear in my voice, I'm sick today, and it's very humbling and a bit ironic, too. Uh, here I am, a healer and healing coach, and I wrote the book Empowered Healer, and I haven't been following my own advice in my book. So I also haven't been sick for at least 10 years, so the question arises for me of why am I sick now? In my book, I say that if we don't listen to our minds and spirits about what we need, our bodies take over to try to give us what we've asked for. And in my case, I've been saying for weeks that I need a vacation, I need time off, I need a break, I need downtime, and I didn't take it. So now I'm sick and taking some time to rest and replenish myself. So I had a vacation scheduled for next week in Hawaii, And I canceled it because my husband couldn't go. But now I realize that I should have just gone on my own. And this is a huge lesson for me and I hope for you. Listen to your deepest needs and then follow through. And it's perfect that Peter McCarthy is our guest today, author of Adrenaline Nation, Chronic Stress is Ruining Our Health and Bankrupting Our Economy. I'm hoping Peter can help me see how I can de-stress and prevent illness in the future, and I'm sure he can help you too. So Peter McCarthy is a traditional naturopath, as well as a respected professional in the field of complementary and alternative medicine. He earned his doctorate in traditional naturopathy in 2003 from Trinity College of Natural Health. He also graduated from the U.S. Air Force Academy in 1972, with a BS in engineering mechanics, and went on to become a commercial airline pilot with Southwest Airlines. After retiring in 2009, he became interested in naturopathy and the effect of stressors on our health, both in our personal and professional lives. He is the author of Adrenaline Nation and is a popular speaker and stress stress management coach for individuals and organizations. So, hi, Peter. Welcome to the show. Hi, Susan. Thanks for having me on today. You're very welcome. And I'd love to start with something more personal with all my guests, and I'd like it if you could share about the stress in your own life, especially when you were a commercial airline pilot, and perhaps how this period in your life was a catalyst for your work now. Well, you know, the, the stressors that I experienced in my personal and professional lives we're really multifaceted. Um, I'll start with the personal in that in the 80s and 90s, before I really became aware of the connection between stress and chronic and degenerative illness, I watched the entire generation of my parents um, 
contemporaries as well as they themselves in my family perish from what I ultimately learned were stress-related illnesses, heart disease, various forms of cancer, each of which was tied to diet and lifestyle factors, and they in turn were tied to stress. Of course, as you mentioned, I uh, graduated from the Air Force Academy, and during a 20-year career, I also uh, spent the bulk of that flying B-52 bombers sitting nuclear alert, and of course, you might expect that that had its own unique set of stressors, yes. as did uh, being a commercial airline pilot for 16 years and flying, in some cases, up to 140 people around the country in all kinds of weather. Uh, so all of that cumulatively really focused my attention on the problem of stress, not only for myself personally, but for my family members, my uh, co-workers in both the military and the airline industry, uh, because I had a lifelong uh, interest in health and wellness I already had a natural attraction to the field of naturopathy, which, of course, led to my earning my degree and then ultimately uh, turning to stress management as the focus of my consulting practice. And when I saw the totality of all that, I said, you know, more people need to be aware of this, and that's what ultimately created Adrenaline Nation. Wonderful. Yep. Isn't it interesting how, for many of us, it's something in our personal lives or professional lives that... You know, there's a segue from that into sort of the next phase of our lives. So Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, I've as I'm sure you have, I've seen that happen numerous times in the various segments of the healing profession. People who either they themselves had experienced some kind of crisis Mm-hmm. or uh, set back in their health along the way, or they saw it in their family members, as was the case with me, it really motivated them to become more involved at a professional level. And, you know, I think that ultimately, as our healthcare system continues to transform and more people see the need for a broader bandwidth of solutions in the healing professions, the experience of these people, uh, yourself and myself included, uh, is going to become increasingly more valuable to more people. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you uh, totally. And I'm so glad you're focused on stress because I agree with you that stress is the uh, underlying cause of so many diseases. And how about if you start with defining stress, if you would, and, and tell us what a, what a stress stack is, which you talk about in the first chapter of your book. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, as you know, having read the book, I spent a lot of time in that first chapter deriving what I consider to be the accurate definition of stress, and I pulled from research sources as diverse as uh, the conventional healthcare system, the business community, even Wikipedia. And the definition that I arrived at that made the most sense to me was that stress is any stimulus that activates the body's fight-flight response as well as the results of that stimulus. And when I look back at all of the research that I had done, I realized that that had a lot in common with uh, most of the uh, research, especially in the healthcare arena. They do take a two-phased approach. They look at the stimulus, they look at the result, and that in, in totality is the definition of stress. But I took it a step further because I realized during my research that the conventional healthcare system has a very narrow focus on stress as being purely a psychological phenomenon. And of course, that limits their toolkit to deal with stress to just a couple of tools, 
mm-hmm. primarily prescription drugs and psychotherapy. But I think many people who have looked beyond that narrow definition realize that there are many more factors that create the phenomenon that we call stress. And I... Uh, outline those in my new model called the stress stack, which is a qualitative assessment model that includes not only the psychological phenomenon, but, uh, but also uh, the foods that we eat or don't eat, yep. uh, the, the um, toxic influences that influence our society, lifestyle factors, and there's a whole list of those, yeah. as well as what I call the trigger factor, and that can be literally the straw that broke the camel's back. So all yep. si- there's six blocks, and that's what uh, creates the stress stack. Yeah, no, I love this. I think it's brilliant what you've come up with, you know, just to give listeners an idea. Um, this is page 43 of the book. But he talks about dietary influences like caffeine. I'm so happy that you brought caffeine up. I haven't had a cup of coffee in probably 15 to 20 years um, because of what it does to me. It just my heart starts pounding, and I just know that it's it's elevating uh, all kinds of things in my body that aren't good. But you know, artificial sweeteners and white sugar and white flour, and and also I think that the the trigger factor is the other one that besides the diet uh, that I really like because. I see this, I'm a psychotherapist, and I see this with my clients, that they become ill when there's a death of someone in their family, not just a spouse or child, but like their mother, and job loss, an accident, that there is a trigger factor that happens. And I mean, there's other things going on in their body at the time as well, but that's what I see, like you say, the straw that broke the camel's back. They become chronically ill with with some some disease like cancer, for instance, uh, because of that trigger factor. Well, you know, and, and it's, I think it's worth explaining a little bit more about yep. that trigger factor, Susan, because yep. most of us in Western society tend to think linearly about our health. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when we have a health setback of one kind or another, our tendency is to look at the very previous thing, the, the last thing that happened to us prior to that occurring. And while certainly the trigger factor is, as you pointed out, the straw that broke the camel's back, when you look at a person's life from a stress stack perspective, in many, if not most cases, that person has been carrying a very high stress load, sometimes unknowingly, for a very long period of time, and it's the combination of that stress load, now the additional uh, input of the burden of the trigger factor that Mm -hmm. overwhelms their body's ability to respond. And that's when most of us, when we reach the limit of our body's ability to adapt, is when we descend into overt illness. Yeah, no, great explanation, and I completely agree with you. I think that's why you call it the stress stack. You know, as one thing is being piled upon another, and the person finally, their body, they succumb to an illness. So I wanted to ask you also about the factors you talk about in another chapter, what factors in society and in our daily lives cause us to become sick. You know, so go into that. I'd like you to go into that in more detail if you could. Well, sure. And I outline most of those in Chapter 3, which yep. I call the Stress Factory, A Day at the Office. Yep. And uh, for the, the benefit of the listeners, 
it starts when you open your eyes in the morning, takes you all the way through a typical work day of a corporate worker, and then finally to when you close your eyes at night. And there are so many factors that we endure on a daily basis that we think of as being normal, but add small increments to our stress load, which if we don't address them, become ultimately unmanageable over time. And I'll give you just a couple of examples. You know, you talked about caffeine, and as you know from reading the book yourself, I spent a lot of time on caffeine and its detrimental impact on the, the body's stress response and what it holds for the long term in terms of health consequences. But you know, there's a lot of other things. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's take, for example, traffic jams. People who drive into major metropolitan areas uh, for work during a a 40-year corporate employment scenario experience about 20,000 traffic jams uh, and during their working lifetime, and many, if not most of them, have the potential of causing stress. Most people think of that as just the normal part of the day if you live in around a major metropolitan area. But the fact of the matter is it adds some more to your stress stack. Another thing that adds to it, of course, and we're all familiar with this in one way or another, is your office working environment, the relationships that you set up with your coworkers as well as your bosses. Mm -hmm. And while on the one hand, if you're working for a company that emphasizes employee empowerment initiative uh that can be a very positive experience if the opposite is true it's one more increment that's added to your stress stack that's exactly right and peter we're going to need to take a break but please everyone who's listening we'll be right back with peter mccarthy and adrenaline nation The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Dr. Susan Allison is available online, by phone, and in person to help you heal whatever is no longer working in your life. You can go to her website at www.empoweredhealer.com or call her toll-free at 866-268-2121. Dr. Allison also has CDs and DVDs available on her website to empower you even more. You can listen to her voice guide you through meditations, visualizations, and exercises from her book, Empowered Healer. Her powerful book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, and from local bookstores. Begin today to gain the confidence, power, and ability to heal yourself. Visit EmpoweredHealer.com or call 866-268-2121. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. We are happy. 
the hands of the goddess. We are held, we are held, we are held. You are tuned in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. If you wish to speak to Dr. Allison or her guests this week, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to the Empowered Healer at Comcast.net. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everyone, to the Empowered Healer Show. And my guest is Peter McCarthy, who wrote Adrenaline Nation. And if you just are tuning in, I know that I sound sick, which I am. And so I'm thrilled that Peter's here uh, to help me de-stress and take better care of myself. And I hope that for you, too. So we've been talking about um, one of uh, Peter's chapters in his book, Adrenaline Nation, which is about the, a day at the office, the stress factory. And I wonder if you could just spend a little more time on on the stress factory or getting to work or all the stressors people can have in their work day. Okay, thank you, Susan. Uh, I'll be happy to do that. Uh, we've already talked about traffic jams. Uh, we've talked about uh, the office relationship environment and the potential to either add to or decrease our stress load. But it really goes beyond that. That office environment, as everybody knows, is multifaceted. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we alluded to earlier is actually reflected usually in the office break room. Typically, you'll have a coffee pot, one or more vending machines that will have an assortment of foods and beverages. And that's where we encounter really probably for the first time of our day for many of us uh, the standard American diet, which I abbreviate as SAD, and it really is sad because typically speaking, those beverages include caffeine, they include high doses of sugar, usually high fructose corn syrup, or artificial sweeteners like aspartame or Splenda. And when you turn to the food vending machines, you're typically faced with more sugar and processed white flour. Yep. all of which can combine to create a stress response in the body to varying degrees. So, you know, you really have to be aware of what's going on and, and what you're being presented with in your office and perhaps not take it as uncritically as so many of us do, that it's not really normal. We've just been conditioned to believe that. Uh, Deepak Chopra has a wonderful, wonderful phrase that he uses, and I really, really like it. It's called the hypnosis of social conditioning. We've been hypnotized into believing that that's what we should expect in an office break room. Yep. And, you know, moving on, I think you also, we need to recognize that the building itself has the potential to create stress, especially if we work in a steel-framed office building. Um, we have the, because we are essentially electromagnetic beings and our bodies are designed to generate an electromagnetic field in sync with that of the Earth, and the Earth vibrates at about 7.8 cycles per second, when we step into a steel-framed office building, it's actually an electromagnetically disruptive environment. Mm-hmm. And over the time, it has the potential to cause uh, 
serious, potentially serious illnesses, and we may have heard of the, the sick building syndrome, that's one of the factors that contributes to that kind of environment. Interesting. You know, and I've also heard that about lighting. I knew, I know that here at our University of California here uh, in Santa Cruz, they've taken out all of the overhead um, lighting, the tube lighting, and uh, put in different lighting because the secretaries did research and found that it was really, it was depleting the B vitamins. So I don't know if you've researched that at all about all the lighting in these places. Well, no, I hadn't, but I, I'm not surprised that that's the case. Um, you know, I, I think that the um, there are many factors that impact uh, the body's ability to withstand stress. And, uh, of course, many of us are familiar with um, the converse of that, which is a lack of lighting causing uh, conditions like seasonal affective disorder. So it stands to reason that yeah. uh, lighting would, ha- would, would cause or have the potential to cause some kind of stress response in the body. And, of course, depleting B vitamins, as I talk about later on in the first chapter, those are one of the key nutrients that our yeah. bodies need to sustain a healthy stress response. And if you're depleting those... Uh, it can create the, pro- the potential for problems having to do with blood pressure regulation, central nervous system regulation, ultimately perhaps even psychosomatic disorders. So yep. smart thing on the part of those secretaries, and I applaud yep. their initiative. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I mean, b- the B vitamins are called the anti-stress vitamins, and also people who drink a lot of alcohol, it depletes the B vitamins as well. And so that's another that's another factor in our culture, you know, so many people who are, are drinking alcohol on a daily basis. Well, you're absolutely right. And I mentioned that uh, later on at, towards the end of Chapter 3, that yeah. typically speaking, when somebody comes home from a high-stress day, if they do consume alcohol, that'll be one of the first things they'll do. They'll mix a drink, pour a glass of wine, etc. And as we know from some of the research that's been published, Certainly certain uh, alcoholic beverages, particularly red wine, do have a therapeutic effect, but when they're consumed to excess, they have exactly the uh, effect that you just described, Susan. Yep. And that's something that people need to recognize and be aware of as part of their personal stress stack. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and since we're talking about the body and you know, how it um, can um, thrive or not, What are some of the body's energy managers that you talk about in your book? Well, you know, I describe the the endocrine system collectively as the body's energy managers. You know, and when I say the endocrine system, it's the body's glandular system. And it includes organs like the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, which are really kind of the front office, as I talk about. Mm -hmm. But also the adrenal glands, the reproductive system, uh, the thyroid, the pancreas. Those are all endocrine glands, and they're lumped together in that endocrine classification. But what they're really there for is to direct the use of the body's energy energy reserves. So, for example, the thyroid is designed to regulate metabolism, to allow people to uh, use the raw material that's provided in the form of food to be able to uh, fuel the body's 
functioning. Uh, the adrenal glands, uh, which I consider to be the stars of the show of the endocrine system, because typically speaking, if the, endo- if the adrenal glands are not functioning in balance, everything else is out of balance also. Uh, yeah. And the list goes on. But that the whole idea of the endocrine system is to direct the energy reserves of the body towards the appropriate function at the appropriate time. And, of course, the stress response is really kind of the crisis management department, if you will. It's designed to operate in the short term to allow the body to respond to a threat to its existence. And we're the only species on the planet that allows our stress response to be activated for other than life-threatening situations. And as Shakespeare famously said, I, there's the rub, because what that does is set up a situation that so many of us experience today, which is chronic stress depleting our energy reserves and ultimately allowing us to descend into potentially serious illness. Yeah, I agree with you. In 1994, I had adrenal exhaustion and um, was off from my job for nine months. I had a paid leave, which was good, but... Um, yeah, because I tend to push myself and push way beyond and then I'm not listening and my adrenals, you know, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm wearing them out. And so I went on vitamin therapy and vitamin shots and all these different therapies um, and I got well, but the adrenal glands, like you were talking about, are just key Yes, they are. And as you know, uh, in Chapter 5, I devote an entire chapter to what I call breaking the bank, the exhaustion phase of uh, the adrenal distress response. And I'm sure that having gone through it yourself, you could relate to so many of the manifestations of adrenal exhaustion uh, that I listed in that chapter, and you know, I think it's, it's worth mentioning a couple of them. First of all, the physical appearance that people uh, present to others. Uh, in, in many cases, if not most, you're talking about having dark semicircles under the eyes, and that's yep. a dead giveaway of adrenal exhaustion. And the other is, and this is really prevalent in our society, I'm sorry to say, people who get up after a night's sleep, and number one, they awoke multiple times throughout the night, and secondly, when they got up, they felt like they hadn't rested at all. Yep. Yep. In fact, yeah, I love this part of your book, um, and I've marked it here. It's page 148 of your book where you're talking about signs of chronic stress. And I think listing those, if you have them there, but talking to the list, our listeners about beside the dark circles under the eyes or being exhausted when you awake, what are some other sort of signs that people are chronically stressed? Well, you know, I think on a daily habit, or from a daily habit standpoint, perhaps, again, the most prevalent manifestation is you're always reaching for that caffeinated beverage and that sugary food to, quote-unquote, get through the day. And you really have problems functioning without that extra boost. The unfortunate part about it is you're actually beating a dead horse because the adrenals are already in the exhaustion phase, and all this is doing is stimulating an already stressed organ in the body to try to force 
the functioning even more. And that actually can accelerate that vicious cycle, that spiral down into, uh, into illness. The other two things that I think are most prevalent with adrenal exhaustion are, number one, constipation, and yep. number two, loss of libido. Yeah. And we'll talk about each of those briefly, if you'd like. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to, we're going to need to take a break in just a moment. So let me just list some of these signs that people can be thinking about during the break, that uh, constipation and indigestion, uh, dark circles under the eyes, decreased libido, uh, you know, increased PMS, which I hear from women uh, coming to me in my practice, infertility, that your eyes are sensitive to bright lights, grinding teeth and nail biting, headaches, an inability to fall asleep, an increased or lost appetite, uh, and so on. Fuzzier thinking, you know, speech difficulties, back pain, muscle aches, uh, and non-specific joint pain, uh, and so forth. So I think that, you know, it's um, interesting people who are listening can see if they have any of those signs of chronic stress. So, and we're going to take a break. And we will be right back with Peter McCarthy. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Dr. Susan Allison is available online, by phone, and in person to help you heal whatever is no longer working in your life. You can go to her website at www.empoweredhealer.com or call her toll-free at 866-268-2121. Dr. Allison also has CDs and DVDs available on her website to empower you even more. You can listen to her voice guide you through meditations, visualizations, and exercises from her book, Empowered Healer. Her powerful book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, and from local bookstores. Begin today to gain the confidence, power, and ability to heal yourself. Visit EmpoweredHealer.com or call 866-268-2121. What are the benefits to combining modern science with ancient healing practices? For the answers, you'll want to tune into Frame of Mind with your host, Terry Sue. Each week, our program focuses on ways to live more holistically. By developing new ways of looking at our world, we can find ways to foster harmony and peace for the good of mankind and our planet. If we learn to live and think healthier, we begin to explore and focus on our strengths. Tune into Frame of Mind, Saturdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Be visionary. Be extraordinary. Be the change. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. We are held in the hands of the goddess. We are held, we are held, we are held. You are tuned in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. If you wish to speak to Dr. Allison or her guests this week, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
888-253-5795. Or you can send an email to the empowered healer at comcast.net. Now back to the program. Welcome back everyone to the empowered healer show. And my guest is Peter McCarthy who wrote adrenaline nation and Hopefully you've been listening to the whole show. It's been fascinating. But before the break, I listed lots and lots of uh, characteristics of chronic stress, indicators that you are chronically stressed. So I hope you got a chance to think about that. And in a little bit, we're going to talk about how we change it, you know, how we stop that pattern in our lives and um, are well for a lifetime of, of excellent health. So, Peter, I wanted to just talk a bit before we get to how to change i wanted to talk about men and women because in the book you do discuss how there are differences between men and women in terms of how they handle stress well sure and you know i i titled or subtitled that um chapter head in the sand versus climbing the sand dune (laughs) and the head in the sand uh label i applied to males predominantly because Given the cultural influences that males have when they grow up in a society, they're really conditioned to ignore some of the early signs and symptoms of problems within their bodies and wind up actually postponing meaningful care until the situation almost becomes unmanageable. And the unfortunate part about that is that over time, that also means that actually reversing or treating the situation becomes increasingly more expensive. Uh, on the other hand, women, because of the way they have been culturally conditioned to operate, and I think that perhaps even more so than men, they develop an, a skill at an early age to multitask, which I talk about in uh, another area of the book, they wind up consistently overstressing their bodily energy reserves, thinking that they're doing good things, and in many, if not most cases, they they are, but not ignoring the costs. And so they reach a point in their lives, usually around the time that they reach menopause, where the combination of the cumulative stress load that they have built up over time combined with their depleted energy reserves results in feeling like they're trying to climb a sand dune. They move move up for a little bit, feel okay for a while, but then they start sliding frustratingly back to their previous state of health. Yeah. No, I think you're right when I think about it. I read somewhere also that in terms of, of, let's say, the common cold, that men, I mean, men will often rest. They will hit the couch. Women often will just work harder when they're sick. And I've seen this over and over with my clients and with myself, and I have no idea what what is going on there. Um, but I do think it's true. Well, I think that uh, what what you're seeing, I, I saw some recent research about this, and it was actually presented in the context of why people develop various forms of cancer. And uh, while, of course, stress can create a whole host of other illnesses besides just cancer. But this particular set of research focused on cancer, and they differentiated in the article I was reading between the caregiver and the caretaker. Mm. And I think for some women, there is 
difficulty differentiating between the two where where the caregiver is somebody who is offering care to another usually ill person in a way that still allows them to uh, re- uh, maintain their own bodily well-being. The caretaker is somebody who just completely submerges themselves yep. into the situation without regard to their own limitations. And you know that was pointed out uh, by you just a moment ago about how women push harder through illness. Well, one of the things they discovered was that there was a, a study done, I believe, as it was in uh, 2000. Eight, it was, was when it's published, that women who are dealing with chronically sick children wind up over a period of time, uh, over a decade if they're doing it that long, they age a, a full decade faster than their contemporaries in terms of their physiological markers. So wow. there's a cost to that kind of behavior. Yep. No, huge, huge cost. Yep. Uh, yeah, and I have seen this. I, I actually work with someone who is going through that right now with a child who's ill. So it's very debilitating. So let's get down to how we change. It's important to give people hope. It's important for people to say, oh my God, I had, you know, all 10 of those descriptions of chronic stress descriptors. Well, how do I change? Like, let's talk about how we change, which you, you talk about a great deal in chapter seven. Right. You know, I I felt it was important, Susan, to devote an entire chapter to the process of change, not only from the standpoint of allowing people to negotiate that change process better and to understand it more clearly, but also to understand what kind of obstacles they're going to encounter along the way. And we'll take that in two steps. The process of change, I think, in a healthcare context is best described by Drs. Prochaska and D. Clementi, and I use their, a lot of their research in my book, uh, talking about their trans-theoretical model, which takes people from the phase of pre-contemplation, which is, gee, I don't think anything's wrong, I'm doing just fine, all the way up to after they have implemented the change, maintaining that helpful change. And so it's important for people to understand where they are on that spectrum of change. Uh, and Prochaska's and DiClemente's descriptions and uh, definitions, I think, really help clarify that. So it's important for you to, first of all, understand where you are and really take a very self-analytical look at what your behaviors are, what your thought processes are when it comes to the process of change to see where you are and what additional steps you need to take. The second part of it, of course, is understanding the impediments to change. And again, because we've been so socially conditioned in this society to think of so many of these things as normal, it comes as a surprise to us that, for example, our food supply can be an impediment to change. Yep. How it's marketed can be an impediment to change. Our health care system, the list goes on. And all of that combined can create some significant friction for a person who really wants to change but says, gee, I really don't know how to do this. However, once you're aware that those factors can impede change, it makes the journey a lot easier. Yeah, it does. And, you know, we could just kind of do the reverse of what the uh, symptoms of chronic stress are. For instance, people could 
stop drinking caffeine. People could stop eating sugar and white flour. They could stop eating artificial sweeteners. I mean, that's a start. They could eat organic food. Um, you know, so I'm just thinking, in, in, and about the person who's driving to work in traffic. Um, I mean, I know someone who listens to really beautiful CDs of, of very soothing music and also listens to books on tape. And they, they, for years, had to drive very, very high-stress highways and get to work and bumper-to-bumper traffic. So are there some other things we can suggest to people who are listening that they could do to change? It's like people work in an office building that might be, um, you know, filled with metal. They can't do anything about that office building. But what, what else can people do? Well, you know, in Chapter 8, Susan, I, I list an extensive uh, repertoire of measures that people can take to de-stress their daily lives. And you've named a couple of them. When I look at the dietary influences, my two watchwords are minimize or avoid. Mm-hmm. And really, your choice of one or the other is going to be dependent upon how stressed you really are and how much you want to take control of your life. Uh, you've listed the dietary influences. The one I would add is trans fats, and the reason that's important is that the trans fats compete at the cellular level at the same cellular receptors as the raw material that we need to synthesize our stress hormones. So if you have a choice, would you rather consume a food that is going to allow your body to function healthfully or a food that's going to sabotage that healthfulness. I mean, it's yeah. literally that, that clear a, a, a choice. Uh, when you're looking at lifestyle influences, I, I focus on two big ones that I think everybody can do right away. One is don't skimp on your sleep. You know, we've conditioned ourselves to really believe that, oh, I can stay up till all hours of the night uh, watching TV, playing video games, surfing the Internet, and as long as I get a big cup of Starbucks going to work the next morning, I'll be good to go. Um, and it's an illusion that we've created for ourselves that that's healthful and that our bodies can sustain that kind of behavior indefinitely. Plus, the lack of sleep really has a lot of detrimental impact on both your physiological and your psychological recovery processes during the night. So why would you want to uh, inflict that on yourself if you know what the cost is? Yeah, that's a really good point. Now, I was just looking at page 300, which is your chapter 8, you know, tearing down the stress stack. And you mentioned uh, adrenal stimulants. Are there other ones besides coffee? Well, processed sugar and white flour certainly are because it requires the adrenal glands to secrete what in a blood sugar management context is called glucocorticoid, but we know it as cortisol. Mm -hmm. And by minimizing or avoiding the consumption of those foods, and you can add to that list, of course, alcohol, because it's the most highly refined form of sugar that's available in this society today, you're going to remove the demand uh, that the adrenals operate in trying to process those kinds of foods and beverages. So, again, minimize or avoid. 
And mm-hmm. uh, again, that's going to be a, a decision that you yourself are going to have to make based on your honest assessment of what your stress stack is and how much control do you want to exert over it. Yeah, good point. I was just thinking of a funny, funny story that I have about myself. We were in Mexico and I was completely off sugar for several months. And I'm standing with a margarita in my hand and I say, you know, I'm completely off sugar. And then I look down at my glass and I was just drinking pure sugar, which is what alcohol is when it goes into your system. Well, you know, and again, that's an example, and thank you for your honesty in sharing it, of unconscious behavior that, you know, maybe we just haven't clearly connected the dots yet. And that was a big part of my mission in writing Adrenaline Nation was to help people more clearly connect those dots, to be able to see or for yourself how uh, individual behaviors can translate into chronic stress, which in turn can translate into chronic illness and collectively create the current health care crisis that we have in our country today. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. And we do need to take a break. And we will be right back with Peter McCarthy. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Is there a difference between dream work and intuition? The relationship is closer than you think. These are mutually supportive concepts. When you dream, your intuition serves as a foreshadow of the future and can bring rapid results through dream analysis. Tune in to The Partnership of Intuition and Dreams with your host, Dr. Marcia Emery. Explore this unique relationship and learn to understand how the symbolism of dreams can be clarified. Listen every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Dr. Susan Allison is available online, by phone, and in person to help you heal whatever is no longer working in your life. You can go to her website at www.empoweredhealer.com or call her toll-free at 866-268-2121. Dr. Allison also has CDs and DVDs available on her website to empower you even more. You can listen to her voice guide you through meditations, visualizations, and exercises from her book, Empowered Healer. Her powerful book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, and from local bookstores. Begin today to gain the confidence, power, and ability to heal yourself. Visit EmpoweredHealer.com or call 866-268-2121. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. We are held in the hands of the goddess. We are held, we are held, we are held. You are tuned in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. If you wish to speak to Dr. Allison or her guests this week, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to the Empowered Healer at Comcast.net. Now, back to the program. 
Welcome back, everyone, and I hope that you've been here for the entire show. Let me remind you, if you are just tuning in, that you can listen to the show because it's archived. You can probably start tomorrow, I believe. It'll be there on my uh, host page at voiceamerica.com, 7th Wave Network, The Empowered Healer Show. And you can re-listen to this show or any of the other shows that I've done this year. So we're here with Peter McCarthy, author of Adrenaline Nation. And Peter, before we go any further, I wanted you to tell people how they can get your book. Well, thank you, for, uh, Susan. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, it's available on Amazon.com as well as at Barnes & Noble. And I would also invite people to uh, log on to my website. It's PeterMCCarthy.com. Uh, I have a series of videos on there that are about two minutes in length each, collectively titled Stress-Free Summer, but uh, they offer you some good tips on how to keep your stress more managed uh, year-round. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I really did enjoy your book. So those of you who want to get it, you now know how. And um, it's it's a great read with lots and lots of resources. So I we were talking about some of the ways to change and things to do. You know, I noticed that you say, you know, don't skip breakfast and to eat protein um, portions throughout the day. And that is my one of my formulas. I, I really need protein. Not a huge amount, but I need it three times a day. Well, you know, if once you get into the whole science of uh, what they call functional endocrinology or more generally stress management, you realize that protein is not only important as a building block for the body, it obviously breaks down into amino acids, which are used in a number of ways in the human body, but also it helps to better regulate blood sugar so that mm-hmm. you don't experience those peaks and valleys that are so frequently experienced by people throughout the day who rely on primarily caffeine and sugar uh, in order to get through the day. And it really does make a huge difference in being able to maintain an even energy level throughout the day. So yep. to me it's an indispensable item of stress management uh, in the dietary arena. Yeah, and I've read some research where, you know, people reach for the sugary foods when they really need protein, and that that's a sign that you, you know, just need to reach for some nuts or seeds or hard-boiled eggs or um, some kind of food that's going to give you a boost and have it be, you know, like a, a, a smooth long-term boost as opposed to these peaks and valleys that you get with sugar. Well, that's absolutely right, and, and, and that's exactly the function that protein with every meal uh, provides is that it does allow that those blood sugar levels to operate in a narrower, narrower range uh, and allow that energy level to be more sustainable. And you just don't get that with caffeine and process, processed sugar. You may feel great for a while, and I, I allude to this, uh, in Adrenaline Nation, but the blood sugar with especially high sugar foods will zoom up like a rocket, but just like a rocket that uh, doesn't have enough fuel to reach orbit, it's going to eventually come down, and it's going to come down really fast. So you may, may feel great for a while, maybe even invincible, but once that blood sugar starts to crash, uh, you're not going to be feeling very good at all. No, no, I... 
and I think some of us are more sensitive than others um, because I cannot do sugar. And I use stevia if I have to put something in um, my tea, which I usually don't drink sweeteners in my tea. But I'm just noticing low glycemic products um, work for me. Um, but I really can't do sugar. I can't do chocolate. I can't do uh, coffee. Uh, I know that about my body. And I think if people really tune into their own bodies, they'll figure out what they can do and what they can't. Well, you know, and I think that brings up a good point, Susan, and I mentioned this in the last chapter of Adrenaline Nation. I quoted one of my favorite authors, Sir Ken Christopher, uh, from his uh, book, The Element. And while The Element was about education, he really kind of waxed philosophical at the end about how we as our Western society collectively think about our bodies and our health, and we kind of disconnect our brains from the rest of our bodies and don't pay attention to those signals. We just think that, well, you know, I can eat or drink anything I want, and it'll, whatever it does for me right now in the moment is just fine. And I think what's happening now is more and more people are discovering that that's not the case. In fact, it's quite the opposite. If we don't pay attention to those signals, we do so at our peril. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I have a cold today, because I wasn't paying attention. And I think that that's um, huge for all of us to remember that we have to listen to our bodies and listen to their messages. And, you know, it's um, I love the Hawaiian uh, kahunas or elders in Hawaii say we have three souls. You know, we have a mental soul, a spirit soul, and a body soul. And that our body, and I talk about this in my book, Empowered Healer, but our bodies talk to us. If we listen to them, there's a reason why our shoulders ache, and, and we have to listen and figure that out, or we have a headache, or our bodies are talking to us and trying to get our attention. That's exactly right, and the, the more attuned we, come to, we become to our bodies, the better our state of health is going to be because we'll intuitively reach for the kinds of foods and beverages that are going to be helpful for us. And because of, again, the social conditioning that we've had in our society, we've been taught to believe that that's of no consequence. What's really more important is what's that next image in the next commercial on uh, television or what's the next message that we hear in on the radio driving to work about this or that food or beverages and the the marketing messages are so pervasive and so persuasive that it causes many of us to just tune out what our bodies are actually telling us in favor of that blaring noise in our ear or those images on a screen and I think it's an integral part of why we have the healthcare crisis we have today. We just aren't paying enough attention. Yeah, no, I completely agree that we have to pay attention on a personal level and paying attention to our society and to our government and so forth. And there's a whole issue that I didn't address, which perhaps you can come back uh, and we can talk about the healthcare system, but we, we haven't had time today. So um, I want to thank you so much, Peter, for being here today. It's been a pleasure to have you as a guest on my show. Well, thank you for having me, Susan. It's always fun to talk to a kindred spirit about uh, these kinds of issues, and uh, I, I applaud uh, your program and uh, the vision you have for what it'll, it'll do to help uh, other people. 
So thank you for having me on the show. And, uh, yes, I'd be delighted to come back and talk about our health care system and what are some of the things we can do at the uh, government and societal levels to help change things. So thanks for the invitation. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you for being here. And thank all of you for listening today to my froggy voice. I am going to actually go and rest after the show, and I'm going to think about Peter's words, and I hope you will too. Next week, we have Barbara Marks Hubbard talking about her latest book, Birth 2012. Until then, this is Dr. Susan Allison wishing you well. Thank you again for listening to the Empowered Healer Show. Please join your host, Dr. Susan Allison, again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Until then, have an empowering and fulfilling week. We are held in the arms of the goddess. We are held, we are held.